I couldn't be religious and gay. It was impossible. I was being marketed as some sort of like teenage it girl. When a girl kissed me on my 18th birthday, a whole other world opened up to me. I was a minor nuisance. Eight Australians will tell you about the choices that have led them to unexpected places. These are some of the stories you will hear on Let Me Tell You, a podcast where real people tell incredible real stories. Look for Let Me Tell You and follow wherever you get your podcasts. The dynamics between a wife and a pregnant handmaid are always challenging, but if you'll forgive me, you have been blessed with a particularly willful pair. <laughs> Precisely why I stay out of it. You don't own me, I'm not your property, so take a little It is so important to understand one's place in a household, wouldn't you agree? Yes, this is what I've heard. Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, our weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show, and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode drops on SBS and SBS On Demand. We need it, and we thought that you might too. My name is Natalie Hambly. I'm the co-managing editor of SBS Life, and with me is Sana Kadar. Hello. A journalist for Small Business Secrets, and Heidi Island. Hi. The content programmer for SBS On Demand. Our regular host, Fiona Williams, can't be with us this week, but we'll see her again soon. Now, this week we saw the return of June. She's back in the house, she's back in good health, and she's back in good form. But before we get to that, I think we need to start at the ending. Oh, yes. Zana, what did you think? Okay, um, that for me, surely I should have imagined that something big was going to happen. Everyone who's everyone in Gilead is gathered here. I was so naive going into that scene. I did not (laughs) expect that to happen. I was completely blown away. Oh, my oh. gosh, that's a pun. I didn't even mean that one. Yeah, that's how I felt. I think we're so primed for horror that I was thinking, what horrible thing are we going to see about, yeah. the, about these handmaids that are all lined you up? you think I would be primed. Why did I not? Yeah, it didn't <laughs> occur to me. I don't think I would normally say this about a suicide bombing, but I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah, wasn't it the perfect depiction of suicide bomber as freedom fighter? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't the fundamentalist side doing the suicide bombing. It was mm. the rebellious side. Yeah. We could actually sort of empathise and we knew where they were coming from and the fact that we actually wanted this. Like, I have to say, I actually cried at the end of this episode mm. and I don't normally cry in The Handmaid's Tale. I'm normally sort I of... I definitely do. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm normally horrified or um, sort of hiding my eyes behind my hands. But I think, like, this ending was the relief that I think I finally needed. I finally mm. needed yeah. something yeah. good to happen. Exactly. Yeah, I keep saying every episode, I think, we need some hope. We need some hope to come through. And then most of mm. this episode was awful and hopeless and so it was great at the end to have that punch of hope come through to be like okay we need to stick around to see where the fight goes yeah like there is a lot to talk about that ending like it leaves so many questions unanswered where are all these extra handmaids coming from where are they bringing these women from are they going into you know outside Mm. of Gilead's borders to bring in women like there were so many like they're just unrolling them the whole premise that this new Red Centre is being built and having a grand opening for it sort of really suggests that Gilead's blooming, that mm. it's strengthening, that they can process so many more handmaids now, that the Republic is stronger than ever. So building up to this moment at the end. But clearly not. Yeah. Critically yeah. not. I mean, if if this is May Day and they've now implanted explosives with their operatives in the world, like clearly this this infiltration goes deep. Yeah. So they're not as strong as they think. Yeah, yeah. Like over the last few episodes, we've been led to believe that May Day has gone silent, that they're yeah, not helping exactly. handmaids anymore. And in a way, you know, if they aren't helping handmaids, the handmaids are now taking it into their own hands. But at the same time, maybe May Day are somehow involved. We're yet to find out. 
I assumed that it was a Mayday thing and I was thinking, finally, they've finally they've done something. Well, I think it's really interesting because it's it's Offglen the second, mm. um, the replacement of Emily. Who's had her mouth who, her um, tongue cut had, out. Yeah, who's had her tongue cut out for initiating the um protest the against, protest against yeah. stoning Janine in series one. And this is Offglen who when we first met her earlier in series one was very standoffish at anything to do with May Day. Oh, she she kind of, you know, she yeah. actively kind of pulls away from it and says, "Look, you know, I've come from you know a really rough background. I'm enjoying being a handmaid. You know, there's some security. They're nice to me." And she's gone from that to this, like kind of mm. complete turnaround. Maybe um, having her tongue cut out sort of made her go the other way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you kind of question what her motive has been all along. Maybe she has been plotting this kind of rebellion the whole time and just putting on. You airs. know, airs of, of uh, going yeah. along with uh, Gilead. <laughs> so clearly that ending was a highlight for all of us, but we normally try and find a different highlight. So, Sana, was there anything else in this episode that sort of stood out for you? Yes, Nick notwithstanding. <laughs> um, the scene where Serena and um, Offred, June, mm-hmm. are talking sort of they're in the baby nursery yes. and June asks to see Hannah and up until that point, we think, oh, maybe there's been a bit, bit of a switch in Serena. And mm-hmm. she's just back to her horrible, horrible self. Seeing the way they were both crying as they were delivering mm-hmm. their lines and sort of both very emotional in that moment for in very different spaces, though. That's when I started to cry. That, oh, right. That, totally that was your cry point. Core. Yeah. So that oh, was, oh. I don't know if you call that a high point, but that was, that stuck with me. Because I actually thought in that I thought that we're finally seeing some of Serena's humanity I thought we were up until that point (laughs) I thought oh she's finally realizing what an effect this is having on June and now that she's thinking of her own baby she can see what effect this is having on June being separated from her child and then I realized later that actually no she wasn't thinking that at all she was just thinking I've lost a friend and also (laughs) by the way before that we get a huge bombshell as we learn how she lost her fertility of course so we we feel all this empathy for her Mm -hmm. and then she goes and acts horribly I feel like this episode was where my feelings on Serena have really cemented but I'll come back to that later really that's I want to unpack that because I'm more up in the air about Serena than ever really (laughs) interesting okay so do you have some sympathy going for her yeah, definitely. I and I think that's, that's sure. what the, the show is trying to make you yes. uh, do is empathize with her. You know, like when you find out why she, you know, can't bear children anymore, mm-hmm. that's like the first moment where something horrible that's happened to Serena has been out of her control. Like we can criticize her as much oh, yeah. as we want for for kind of being the architect of this prison that she now has to inhabit. But she didn't have any control over but this thing that happens whole, to her. No, that's obviously she didn't deserve that. <laughs> and I think a lot of the character building in this episode is about kind of presenting that, I don't know, duality in her where she she does have this humanity and these kind of real emotions and she isn't happy where she is. But then there's the scene where she's telling Commander Waterford, I don't know what his name was prior to Gilead, Fred. You know, man, yeah, right, Fred. man up when he's like sort of mm. crying at a yes, hospital. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, oh my God, you are a horrible person. <laughs> yeah. He's feeling empathy and sympathy for you. See, I think what they're doing is that I think they have a really interesting portrait of sort of an evil person because evil people in TV and movies have always been so black and white. Yeah. Like, mm. you know, like if someone's evil, then they are all bad in every facet of life. And I think Serena is really interesting because I really think that she's an evil character. And it was this episode where I went, oh, these bits of humanity that I thought I was seeing is not actually there. She has absolutely yeah. no capacity to empathise with anyone. The fact that she even or thought... she's just vindictive. 
Yes, she absolutely. Might, she knows She's what June wants. She understands yeah. what June wants. You know, with her own sort of child about to come into the world, she understands it. But she likes to like put the dagger in. I think. I, th- I, I <laughs> think she's... that she like intellectually understands it, but I don't think she emotionally gets it. I don't think she's uh, connecting in any way emotionally to what mm. June is going through. She seems to have because she no June capacity is a to understand woman. that. She's you know not godly, so her feelings don't count on this matter. I guess. Um, mm. Anyway, Haiti, you are new to the podcast, but not new to the show. Um, so was there anything that stood out for you this episode? Yeah, I mean, I've been um, following the show from the beginning and really been enjoying and getting into it. So I'm very happy to be here. I think my big takeaway from this episode would have to be the introduction of Eden into oh, the household, the Waterford's household. This is Nick's, her name. This is Nick's uh, very young um, mm-hmm. devout mm-hmm. and obedient. <laughs> is she an O'Connor wife? I don't know. Do you no, call, no. Is she I like a class above that. O'Connor yeah. wife, like the class that she's would marry the Guardians? She's the front of Gilead, the firmly believing yeah, younger she's like the, group <laughs> sort of coming through. The brainwashed youth. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, she's really interesting because there's this side of her that's really dangerous. It is, yeah. I think because um, she's just not she's, because she's so young and she doesn't she's not quite smart enough yet to have yeah. proper opinions about Gilead. She's yeah, just absolutely she's brainwashed, which is what brainwashed you just said. by the kind of doctrine of Gilead. And there's a moment where she um is lamenting her new marriage with Nick mm-hmm. to offer it or June and wondering if the reason that Nick hasn't consummated the relationship is that, you know, it might be a gender um, gender, gender traitor, traitor. Yeah. yeah, and there's that moment where you can see June kind of realizes, oh, this woman could get mm-hmm. Nick taken away if, mm-hmm. if it goes too far. So there's that like really dangerous side of her, but on the other end of it, she's so young and so naive. You know, she's open to, she's pliable. You know what mm. I mean? Like I think there's potential there for her. It's to- really interesting how everyone in the house, I think, is potentially going to use her. Yeah. Because- because Rita was actually quite short with her. In a way that she used to be short with June. Yeah. She sort of now reserved her contempt for the new woman in the house. Yeah. And <laughs> it's uh, the hierarchies of power yeah. at play. Yeah. <laughs> and she's really learning how to be a wife. And isn't it just disturbing that you know. How do you oh, like your potatoes? Are yes. these okay? I can do it a different way. You can <laughs> smoke in here. Stop, girl. Stop. And I know I said a, like a couple of episodes ago we were due for another sex scene. I did not no. have this in mind. This is not what I meant. Wrong way. Go back. <laughs> That was awful to watch. That was awful. Um, I actually looked up because their whole sex scene was kind of went to a direction I didn't think it was going to go. Oh, my God, yes, the sheet and the whole... The sheet with the whole... I was like, is this actually a thing? Do people actually (laughs) do this? Um, So I did do a little bit of Googling. So my Google search history is very unusual this week. Um, Anyway, it turns out it's actually a religious myth. Like it's sort of assigned to Orthodox Jews where apparently the thought was that was how they would have sex and it was only for two weeks of the month, apparently. Anyway, it's a myth. (laughs) Everyone says it's not actually true. For some reason the story got out there and the story got hold, but it's not actually true. It's kind of great how they're like appropriating these kind of fundamentalist religious... um, An amalgamum of sort of all the worst of all the world's all the worst of of like religions true and false into this idea of Gilead. It made me think though that scene, you know, like that is sex completely devoid of love and connection Mm. and anything like that. And often in religious sort of spheres when they talk about abstinence and sex only okay within marriage it's sort of 
attached to language about purity and valuing yourself and women who don't value themselves sleep around kind of thing. But then it made me think, what does it do to your sense of self when you have so detached sex from connection and human connection? You're doing it through a sheet Mm -hmm. and you're literally thinking of yourself as a machine, not fully human. How would that screw with your sense of value? Well, the weird thing is, is that they both actually want it in the sense that they both want to get this thing done, Mm. but they don't want it wanted in a way that you're meant to want it. So it's kind of it's kind Why of it's like, it's like it's so forced miserable. consent from both sides. Yeah. Yeah, which makes it really odd. And sort of I guess, you know, child marriage still happens. Mm. It's still a thing, but And we, we learned she's about- fifteen. Oh, did we learn that she was yeah, 15? Yeah, she learned she was 15. Okay. Um, but, like, normally we would consider that rape, but it was interesting that in this episode she was the one that really yeah. wanted the sex to happen. Yeah, um, the society doesn't see it as rape, but, you know, Nick kind of does, which is what makes it so hard. And so do we, which is also what makes it so hard for yeah. us to watch. Which sort of leads into my highlight of the week, and we are sort of doing this out of order this week, which is what happens when um, Fiona's not here. (laughs) Sorry, Fiona. Um, But my highlight was the fact that we finally got June back. I think that she she hit rock bottom a week or two ago when she was just, we've had good weather, we've had good weather. And, (laughs) um, And then when her baby was in danger last week and she sort of didn't do anything to help the baby or herself, she had sort of really gone down a mental dark hole. Whereas she's back in the house and she's got her sass back. Like she actually Mm. said a line, which I really enjoyed. I think I actually laughed out loud, which doesn't happen (laughs) often in The Handmaid's Tale, I have to say. But it was when she was talking to Nick and they were in the living room and she brought up his wife and she said... um, What about Mrs Blaine? What is her bedtime anyway? And what is her bedtime anyway? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I just thought, yes, what a perfect way to highlight how young she is. You Although know? I, I found the return to June and her personality quite abrupt. I was like, hang on, last time we left her, she was gonzo. And now she's back. Where has the transition been? I was sort of surprised mm. by that. And the weird thing as well is that she was sort of the emotional rock of this episode. Everyone was sort of That's using right. her mm. as a support. So like... How Serena- good was her eye roll <laughs> when the wife said, I think your Nick doesn't like me. Oh, and yes. June's like, oh, God, do I really need to comfort you now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was exactly, because she was comforting her. She was trying to be a friend to Serena. There, yeah. She was also counselling Nick. And then uh, then she had the really creepy two scenes with the commander oh. as well, which oh. I was actually screaming at the TV Yeah, at, at I was that having point. to, like, almost cover my I was like, I oh. can't. That's so awful. Yeah, when they have that scene that lays the foundations in the kitchen at mm-hmm. night, yeah, I'm awful. like, why are you in Initiating this June. Don't yeah, be don't friends with motivation him. from her. I don't understand what's yeah, driving like, that. Is there, is there motive, was there motivation there at that point? Did she have an idea that he might be in access to Hannah as well? Or, right, or yeah. is she not thinking that much? Like so if she is back to her old self, if she is June again, then maybe we can read into that and say that she is now playing this and she is mm. trying she's to... She's playing everyone around her as, as well, she can. I mean, she's clearly playing Serena where it feels when Serena's treating her so well when she comes back from the hospital and opening up to her so uncharacteristically, you kind of feel like Serena's all in on that, like she really kind of mm-hmm. wants to kind of build this relationship. Was that Serena but... just sort of taking the advice she's been told m- many times over Possibly. now? You must have but a harmonious can... <laughs> house for the baby. But you can see that June's just not buying any yeah, of it. Yeah, she's freaked out. But you can see she takes advantage of it when she asks yeah. to see Hannah, which is a super bold move because in the last series, 
you know, Hannah's been used as a threat. Like she, mm-hmm. uh, Serena took her to see Hannah and the threat was if you ever try to harm yourself or my baby, Hannah's life is at risk. And mm-hmm. here we have June a couple episodes later trying to harm herself and the baby and then asking to see Hannah again. Like it's super bold. And absolutely necessary as yeah. well. I think, I think if she is back, then she has realised that like what is absolutely on the line and she has to use these moments mm. to get what she wants. Yeah, she's realised she can't escape for now, so she needs to figure out how to survive within Gilead. But she was never yeah. sure that she wanted yeah. to escape. I think that she knew if she did end up going on that plane and landing in Canada, she would have been away from her daughter. And the whole conflict of her of mm. leaving was that she would have been leaving her daughter behind. So if she is here, if she is staying, then she is going to use that to try and get access to her. Yeah, you're right. Now she's back. Hannah's her focus. Whereas what um, I was intrigued by Nick in this episode... I thought it was interesting that he demanded to leave the house. Yeah, what was that? What was that? What was that about? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. What, and what does he have on Commander Waterford that he's going to give to the leader man? Yeah, why, mm. why all of a sudden is he so angry and upset and yeah, desperate to leave nowhere. that house? It did, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I was really surprised by that whole scene and interaction. Was it not just his attempt to try and get out of the marriage, marriage? even though he said well, that I wasn't that the was... reason? Because I think Surely his wife would go with him, exactly. though, if he's re- being reassigned. I guess so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that was. So yeah. my other horrible question, though, is clearly he was at the scene when the bombing happened. I know. Where was he? But he was outside <laughs> last time we saw him. I hope he stayed out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't clear, but I hope he's outside too. I'm hoping he just wasn't important enough to be sitting in those front lines with, no, all, the, exactly. with all the brothers from different regions. Yeah. But you can't you, you kill know. the love interest. You just can't do that midway through. <laughs> so he's alive. And I'm sure of it. And speaking of him being the love interest, it's really interesting. He seems to have completely forgotten that June actually has a husband. Yeah. Well, since yeah. what is June seems to have forgotten too, <laughs> let's be honest. We have very little mention of... Um, Luke. Luke. See, I can't even yeah. remember. <laughs> well, we haven't seen him in a while, That's right. to be fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when he said that, I think about you all the time and I, I think you. about the life that... I know he actually said, I love you. Yum. I couldn't mm. believe he said the L word and went, ooh, because it wasn't... I think it was just last week we were saying is Nick evil or not, you know? Yeah, like, and I was like, no, he guys, he's great. <laughs> he's <laughs> right. he's <Okay>. solid. <laughs> I was right. So what was interesting was when Nick asked to leave the house was that he also said, and make sure you protect the handmaid. Yeah, that's right. And so is he planning to never see June again? What does that mean? Exactly. And I thought, I, I thought, oh, I think he's just shown his hand here. I think this may actually come back to bite him. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. The leader... Whose name I Commander Price. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Commander Price seemed totally on board with that, just took it as, okay, sure, you have my word. So he didn't even question that for a moment. He's always pulling all the strings, though. (laughs) That guy, yeah, I don't know how to read that guy. We haven't seen enough of him, but um, he's always playing his own game, you know? Yeah, because we're reminded in the recap at the start of the episode that Nick is, you know, keeping an eye on... Commander Waterford. Yeah, that's his actual job. Commander Price. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's, you know, some conversations happening there that we don't know about. We're not quite sure of Nick's motives. And instead of maybe showing his hand, is it actually showing us that Nick actually has a lot more pull in this world than we realise? That he's able to say that to Commander Because where (laughs) where would he go next? Is he just gonna be a driver for somebody else? Are we gonna now see a new house? So, yeah, I'm not quite sure where that one is going. Yeah, well, we're not, we haven't found out yet if 
Commander Waterford's come out of this. Well, exactly. Yeah. Like Commander there might be no Commander Waterford to watch. There might be no Commander Price. I actually <laughs> yeah. I rewound to watch that bombing scene again to see whereabouts of Glenn was in in relation to where um, Fred was. Right. And she was running right toward him. Oh, and yeah. I just wow. thought, how is he going to survive that? Like, <laughs> he kind of has to survive it. I don't think they're ready to kill him off oh, yet. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the, the house without Commander Waterford. Serena's now. Because what would happen to Serena? She well, yeah. yeah. See? I <laughs> what does happen he... to a widowed wife in this new world? That we haven't found out yet. Question. <laughs> like, does she get a pension for life? Or, <laughs> like, does she now have to become an aunt and she's does working she get for a Oh, my God, maybe she becomes an aunt. <laughs> like, maybe I she'll mean, get Serena a would be an commander. amazing aunt. She is so bitter and horrible. I think that she just needs to stay in her greenhouse, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing we should talk about is we actually get a flashback to Serena and Fred before Gilead when uh, Serena was speaking at a university. Well, trying to. Trying to. Try- yeah. <laughs> Not getting very far. And she sort of struck me as, is is Serena the sort of Ann Coulter, who's that American sort of right-wing commentator, agitator, is she the Ann Coulter of the pre-Gileadian, I can never say it, pre-Gileadian <laughs> age? Or, you know, the Tommy Laren of today, you know, mm-hmm. like that kind of a figure. And is this showing us the logical end of where we go if we follow these people and their ideas. Yeah, I thought a few things were interesting there. One was how big the protest was. Like they had clearly heard all about Gilead before or they knew what Serena's ideas were and they were really, really angry about it. So I thought, okay, so they're much further along than I thought they were. But the second thing is I was struck by her appearance. She had like her long flowing hair. She was wearing pants. She was showing her ankles. Like nothing of how she looked looked anything like what Serena looks like now. And it made me think like when she was standing in front of that crowd and screaming, it looked like she was happy, like she was in her natural place. Yeah. And now this world which she has effectively created, she's in a completely different space. And I, I still just always wonder is this what you wanted it to be like? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I highly doubt it. But she's sort of, she's silenced in one way, but also um, curbed in another way in terms of her sort of scuttled fertility and, you know, mm-hmm. being shot in the pelvis. She sort of believes very much in women's biological destiny. So mm-hmm. how is she now thinking of herself now yeah. that that biological destiny is not possible for her? She's such a fascinating character. Yeah, I think what you are saying about her appearance is interesting on your point, Sana, because... I feel like the white outfit she was wearing and the long blonde hair was a pretty direct reference to these kind of and culture. Yeah, like, these yeah, kind of types. Like made for Fox News. There is almost there's almost a cookie cut kind of appearance <laughs> yeah. from these kind of high profile conservative female spokespeople in America. And I think in a way, the reason I find Serena fascinating is that where June is like the every woman for a left-leaning, everyday <laughs> American. Serena is is kind of like the every woman for the the right-leaning, everyday American. Gosh, like taken is, to a much more yeah. extreme. But I feel like that's the interesting dynamic between them is that there's still a lot that is relatable about Serena. Yeah, I agree. I don't relate to her. <laughs> but, yeah, I am, I am ready for her downfall. Like, I've totally done a 180 with her. Yeah, like last week I was feeling sorry for her. I was on Team Serena the slightest bit and I really, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not into her this week. I like complicated bad people. 
I'm I'm on Serena. I'm not on, I'm not on the Serena bandwagon. So I really shouldn't go that far, but you know, I really Not like really watching her. Yeah. yeah, like she's you know, a really good character, the, the, which you know that's what makes her a good character, yeah. isn't it? The university students protesting her in this scene are, are like the left's inability to engage in meaningful conversation with the right in political <laughs> debate today. You know, like yeah. the way they shut her down kind of says a lot about what's wrong with politics today as well. But yeah, it kind of yeah. it didn't ring true, by the way, for me that someone actually shot her there. It's so not yeah. like a left politics sort of a thing to do. Like, yeah, it's kind of like um, kind of it's like an, there's a few Antif- angry words Antifa? on Twitter. Antifa, Antifa, Antifa. Antifa? Antifa. It's kind of an Antifa move. Yeah, it just didn't ring true. But we're not quite at the tipping point of a yeah. you know Gil- Gileadian age coming on, so yeah. things are a lot. Give worse us a couple the- more trumps and see where we're at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Watch this space. No, no. <laughs> Run for Canada. <laughs> so on that note, it's probably time to wrap this up. But before we go, let's have a look forward to next week. Sana, what are you hoping to see? Fred dead. <laughs> <laughs> because I think it'll completely upend the dynamics in the Waterford house, obviously, if he's no longer there. And what does it mean for June's baby? Yeah, good point. And Heidi, how about you? I want to see, oh, geez, so many things. I'm going to say I want to see more Rita. Yeah, me too. There's something there. Rita's going to, like, come into her own sometime soon, I can tell. And for me, I need to see more Mayday. I really enjoyed that feeling at the end. I sort of finally felt that we were getting somewhere. I felt that we had hit rock bottom and now perhaps we are striding forward, but we sort of need to know who is Mayday, what are they actually doing. So uh, fingers crossed we find out more next week. So thank you for listening. I hope this was helpful in processing how you feel about the show. I know that it was for me. And a big thank you to Haiti for joining us this week. I hope you had fun. Thanks for having me. Now, Haiti's not on social media, but Sana. <laughs> right. <laughs> Smart. Um, but Sana, you are. So I where am. can people find you? Uh, at Sana underscore Kadar. And I am at Natalie Handley. If you like this podcast, SBS has two other fantastic podcasts, which I highly recommend. One is For the Good Fight, which is hosted by two of my favourite colleagues, Dan Barrett and Sarah Malik. And Fiona Williams also hosts another podcast called The Playlist with her colleague Nick Bassine, which is about TV and movies. Don't forget to tune in to The Handmaid's Tale on Thursday nights at 8.30pm on SBS or you can watch it from 5pm on SBS On Demand. Oh, you have to fuck somebody you don't want to? Poor thing. It's not fair. Fair? Until next time, don't let the bastards grind you down.